Hello and welcome to Handball in Numbers, the Handball Knitters podcast. My name is Mark Hawkins and I'm joined for one last time during these Olympic Games by Julian Rooks. Hello, Julian. Hi, Mark. And of course, the last episode for the Olympics ends with the last game of the Olympics, which was, of course, the women's gold medal game between France and the Russian Olympic Committee. As with the men, the French woman also won the gold medal. They beat the ROC 32-25. The top scorers were Polina Vedekina with seven for the ROC and Alison Pinot and Pauletta for par for France with seven as well. Today we're welcomed by a, a truly international guest. We have a coach originally from Brazil, now working in Angola with uh, Primero de Augusta, recently assistant coach of the Angola national team as well. Uh, Danilo Gagliardi, it's uh, a pleasure to have you. How are you? Thanks, Mark. It's, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to Mark and Julian to the invitation. Uh, I'm really well and I hope we can make a, a good debate about the final of the Olympic Games. So it was really nice. Brilliant. And first of all, for you, what did you see in the final? How did you, um, how did you see France achieving the outcome that they did? For me, what's, what's really interesting to analyze all the, the Olympic scenario, because uh, in my point of view, when we first looked at the groups, and I was uh, for sure, I think, uh, on the France group, France or Russia will be a little bit ahead. But when it comes to the, the games, we saw that it was a really equal group. And then they struggle a little bit and in the beginning, and then they could achieve the finals. Uh, that, that was uh, something that was really impressive to me. And in the game, in the final itself, we have so many different uh, tactical things that I think uh, was connected to the result, especially on the French defense. That was amazing for me. And I think we're going to talk a lot about it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the first thing statistically that stands out is, I mean, the goalkeeper performance as well. But France, they limited Russia to a shot quality of only 51%. Previously in the other games, Russia had been 57-58. And we saw particularly in the semi-final, Vyakareva was so good to uh, win the 1v1 battles with the Norwegian defence. And they were able to get good chances from the Lion player, good chances from Vyakareva herself. And France's defence really stopped this. There was three aspects that were, for me was impressive. The first, uh, uh, are a bit connected what you what you say it now, is they, they could stop the one against one from Vakireva. All the second defenders that were there was Zaid, uh, Zeminko and Okanji. They could work really well against one against one against Vakireva. Uh, the other thing that called me attention, that I think it's important to say, was the preventive help that they do with it a lot. So they are trying to create a lot of the, the density on the zone, the ball zone, especially when the ball is in the playmaker, the second defender going down. And then when Vakireva have the ball, you have close the third defender, the first defender all the time. So this density, this preventive help was really important to me. And the, the last thing was the, the second defenders go through the, the playmaker a lot of times and breaking the continuity of the ball. So these three aspects was something that I, when I look at it, I said that was amazing doing. And, and I think just watching the game as well, those three things that you mentioned there were so helpful for France to be able to defend higher up the court and make the, the stop fouls higher up the court around the nine meters a little bit higher because against Norway, that didn't happen. You know, they were allowed inside nine meters a little bit more. Yeah, they broke the speed and the continuity of the ball all the time. So the creation was really, really hard. Of course, that Poliana... Uh, Vakireva, when she was in the, in the 
Fedekina, sorry, when she was as a playmaker, she could score a few goals and have a good participation. But uh, when you broke this from Vakireva, you, you broke a lot of uh, numerical superiority that she always create, attacking on the spaces and attracting the indirect defenders. And I think it showed that with, with Russia, we're probably towards plan C, D and E when in the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, they played a lot with uh, Skora Bogachenko, the, the second right back, who is much more an outside shooter than Vyakareva. And it's a definite change in tactic and change in style from what you would have expected. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because you, you changed totally the idea, the, the concept of attack of Russia. And Fresen can adapt, Mark, of everything. Because yeah. for me, I don't know uh, if you agree, Jun, but it's the physical team, uh, the most physical team in the world. And they have so many good players that if, when you change, you keep the level even rise all the time. So it's crazy. If you look at the squad from France, in Angola, we have the possibility to play against France in the Kumamoto. And uh, uh, we play really tired in the first half. It was uh, equal in the first half. And then when you go to the second half, in 10 minutes, we're losing by 10 goals. And they say it for us. We never saw so many strengths in a physical aspect. So that that's really interesting from the French team. Both men and women, it's crazy. As you said earlier, France had problems in the preliminary round. They won just two of their five um, matches. And, and one was a draw against um, against Russia, where the numbers weren't nearly as good in that game as they were now in the final for France. And when I compare the numbers from the preliminary round uh, of France to the knockout round, the offensive metrics are about the same, a bit better, but especially the defensive metrics are, are and the goalkeeping numbers they went up significantly. Did you see adjustments from the France team in defense overall or were just adjustments from, from game to game? I guess they make some adjustments uh, for this game, especially when we have Vakireva with the ball. There's so many density on Vakireva ball. But the other thing that they do it more on this game, in my point of view, was that this idea of the second defenders attack uh, the playmaker in a lot of times, to break the continuity of the ball. They do it normally, but not so many times. And so they destroyed all the creation of France. For me, it was a, a huge aspect. And like you said, the numbers of Cleopatra Lowe, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, like the final of the European tournament, when she comes in, change everything against Norway, she did the same. And when we have a goalkeeper with 43%, I guess, we have a big difference. I think they made adjustments, But on this game, they put it in another level. I think, like you say, Darlo, it bears saying that, you know, nine saves and she played pretty much just the second half. But when Russia had such a low quality of shots, she made three saves out of four from six meter and saved it on the official statistics. It says the only shot from the wing as well. So when you're having a lower quality of shots and the goalkeeper is saving the hardest shots, then, you know, that shot quality in effect even comes down lower and lower. So, it, you know, it, it changes the game so much. Definitely. <laughs> and Mark, another aspect, I said a bit about the, the type of the density that they were creating, the ball zone, trying to make this preventive help all the time. And what it's really important to say is that, of course, that when, when we make this preventive help, the court don't become shorter. So you, we need to have a really... A really impressive first defender. And they did really well this work. 
they work at one against you all the time in a really good fashion. Like Sweden do a lot of times and really well too. They made perfectly on this game. That, that was something I was actually going to say just then. On the men's side here in Norway, Christian Berger said sometimes that they have the best number one defenders in the world. And that's become, especially with this type of defense now when pressuring the, the middle player, do you see now that's going to be a change in style for some teams? If they're going to defend like that, is it going to take away the opportunities to, I want to say, hide a defender or maybe have a player on the court who's not a specialist number one defender? I mean, we see with Norway, you know, they had players, they're often keeping Estien Oftedal and Nora Merck on the court, defending in the wing, and they're fine defenders. And, you know, they defend in their clubs as well in other positions. But to be a really specialist number one defender, is that going to become more of a theme that we see, do you think? Uh, yes, definitely. Mark, I believe that today, if you think about different kind of systems, defensive systems, you need to have a really a good first defender. Because depends of the type of concepts you put it. Like if you work with preventive help, you need to have it. And, and uh, as much as uh, we are talking about player formation, the the type of uh, the anticipatory moves and the, all the, the intention that you have to teach individual tactics from this first defender, it's crucial. How he, she can be orientated to the ball, when she has to make a dissuasion or time to make an interceptation, to stop and to play this one against two in, in several times of the game. So I think it's really, really important to work with a good first defender. Yeah, and I think that's those players who, like you say, it's becoming a very specialist skill. It's not uh, a player you can just leave there, which uh, maybe was possible before, who just had the general 1v1 skills. You have to understand a great deal more of the yeah, more specific roles that actually you don't get in other defensive positions. Yeah, yeah. We cannot put someone just to rest over there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm. They have to mm. be really active, proactive actually, and we can recover a lot of the, a lot of the balls connected to the to, to break the attacks with that. So it's really, really important to have one one good first defender for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean maybe yeah. just obviously you've had, you know, being from Brazil um, and working with Angola, you know, we saw in 2013 when Brazil women won the world championships Brazil have been one of the nations on the men's and women's side outside of Europe who have been often competing uh, with the European teams just for the countries outside of Europe how important do you think it is for Egypt to make the results they have on the men's side do you think that's it shows more the way for these non-European countries and obviously especially after we've had the Olympics in Japan how important is it to develop these nations outside of Europe? I think uh, it's really interesting that we are we're starting to develop a lot of different zones, thinking about world in handball. Uh, it's huge important because we need to get better and better and better the sport as themselves. So if you, we can create different uh, kind of characteristics in different parts of the world, like we have in Asia, for example, for so many years from Korea, and a different style of game, uh, that can be competitive, it's really, really important. And uh, thinking about this specific countries that you mentioned, Mark, I'm working now in three years in, uh, in Africa, and uh, I could have the possibility to go to two uh, African Champions League clubs and watching the Egypt teams, it's amazing. They play in a really, really high level, Mark. 
and Julian. And it's crazy how they play really well. Zamalek or Arles are the both better teams. They're fighting a lot against itself in the African tournaments. It's crazy to see. And when we talk about Egypt, we can see that they were world championship three plays in the juvenile. So it's crazy. They have so many players in a really good way coming. So I think Egypt is doing a fantastic job. And in Brazil, Mark, we, we could have the, the, the title. It was amazing for an European country. And I think we made a good Olympic Games, especially the women's. They were uh, really close to, to be uh, in a, a semi-final or quarter-finals. But the, the question is that when you think about the women's, if you think about the 15 better teams in the world, anything can happen. It's so close in the women's side. It's really hard to point it a favorite team or something like a something like that. So it's really equal. All right. Thank you, Danilo, for taking the time. Uh, thank you very much, Julia and Mark. Uh, thanks. I think this kind of initiative is really, really nice for all the handball fans and for all coaches. And I'm really glad to be part of this. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks to Danilo. And that was, you know, our final guest for the final game in the podcast. What are your thoughts, Julian? What was your uh, what was your main take from from the Olympics? When you look at just the, the handball side, was were two great tournaments, very interesting, intense, exciting games with surprising winners. Um, I, I don't think that the the top favorites won, especially after the preliminary round for the women's side. Nobody thought that France would have any chance in the end, and as we discussed earlier, they they improved so much. And of course, on a personal level, uh, it has been a stressful two weeks, but it was just the, the feedback that we got and, and everything was, was great and I think it was, was worth it. And well, if anyone that listens to this, please, uh, if you have any thoughts, if you have any feedback for us, please uh, well, send it to us on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on our website in the contact form. Uh, as I said, always, it's everywhere, handpolitics or handpolitics.de. Do you have anything to add, Mark, about the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, it's just been it's been great to do this. We've had some amazing guests. It's yeah, been, you know, a real big pleasure to speak to all of them. And for anyone who has lasted this long with us and, <laughs> and been listening, a massive thank you to those people as well. And yeah, you know, I think it, it's been really, you know, the common themes that stood out have been the thirst and the desire for more statistics, more knowledge like this from almost all the coaches and players and journalists that we've spoken to, which has been fantastic. And also been great to see, you know, some other um, lots of people on social media with, with their own statistics and, and, yeah, and information yeah. they've been putting out throughout the competition has been has been really great to see. So I think it's uh, much needed for handball and, and something I hope that we, that we get to see some, some more of and see some development and innovation in the game from it. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, it was really great to see that the small analytics community in handball that we are, but it's, it's growing and growing. I'm really happy to see that. All right. Perfect. As always, go to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's at handpolitics everywhere or to handpolitics.de where you find all the old stats about the Olympic Games and you'll, of course, find their stats for upcoming tournaments. Well, of course, I'll write a lot about the German Bundesliga. Well, there also will be some art articles in the next couple of days about the Olympic Games. I'll write a bit about Matthias Gitzel, who we've talked about here a lot, but he's just been so impressive. I, I need to write a couple, a couple of words about him. I'll write a bit about the German team. And of course, then there will be 
the national teams tournaments in winter. Well, one last word maybe about how we will continue this. We don't know really, but we have a couple ideas. And as I said, we're really looking for feedback and that could really help us and the way that we will continue this or if we will continue this. So until next time, hear you.